drink down a, a you know a milkshake a bathtub's worth of a milkshake <laughs> um but uh folks in case you have no idea who the hell we are uh we just i just want to let you know that i'm ernesto mancibo and i am lord pavel of martinez <laughs> morale martinez <laughs> And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program. <laughs> Only on the Radio Free Brooklyn. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> Oh, boy. Uh, get on the ball. I got to get on the ball. <laughs> so, folks, uh, this week we got an awesome pairing of uh, two violent um, two violent pairings that uh, will tickle your fancy. Uh, one of them being Your Next, which came out in 2011 and was directed by Adam Wingard. Verse, versus I Saw the Devil, which came out in 2010. And is directed by G. Woon Kim. Yes. Uh, which one shall we tackle first? Uh, you pick, my friend. Mm. I would like to tackle your next uh, first. Okay. Um, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> this film. You you want to tackle your next first? That's a. Weird sentence. I know, right? It's right like it's, I'd have to find the proper placement of commas in order to make that make sense on paper. But um, this film feels like it is what Clue was sort of hinting it wanted to be <laughs> in regards Clue? to. Yeah, it's just like a whole, a whole bunch of people in a house. Uh, some death happens. And um, we're trying to figure out what is exactly the... Uh, driving force behind this death. Um, that might be a little bit thin, but I'm sticking by it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm going with it. I'm going with it. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board the Mancebo Express. <laughs> Choo-choo. Um, so... <laughs> so... Uh, right. So we have a whole bunch of people showing up to this uh, old but kind of luxurious uh really large house for a family get together um yes. from the get-go you can tell that everybody's kind of an asshole uh even the parents who were who were there initially to meet meet all their kids like they were uh, they're just the kind of married couple that you're just like oh okay you know they've been together for a long time uh, they have their issues, but they make it work. Yes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's, th- there's a certain subgenre of these kinds of movies where it's like the, the family get together movies where it's, I just saw one called Knives Out, mm. uh, Ryan Johnson directed that one. And then, uh, the Last Jedi's uh, Ryan Johnson, um, <laughs> lest lest people forget, um, and <laughs> and then there was another one called Ready or Not, which is 
also like super violent and has to do with like these rich families that have this get together and things go awry, which adds to a body count. So <laughs> I was really delighted uh, to view this movie. I also think that this pairing of these two movies uh, together was I made a mistake. <laughs> really? I think I made. Yeah, I feel like I made a mistake um, because I'm just like, um, can can we just can we do the movie matchup like right off the bat? Because I I dude, I saw the devil. Yeah, sure. It wins, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> like fucking uh, uh, Lee Byung Hun's character in I Saw the Devil. If he were in the your next universe, he'd massacre <laughs> the entire clan like no one would be no one would walk away alive so okay let's put that one to rest i saw the devil wins but with regards to your next um it was it's a fun romp you know it's a fun slasher movie Mm -hmm. i i I was really kind of like uh, the thing about it is that it suffers from unlike like i felt like every character i didn't like any of the characters up until they started slowly introducing Aaron mm-hmm. because Aaron, like the, the character of Aaron, um, who is the final girl, spoiler, spoiler warning. <laughs> um, she's the final girl in this movie. Uh, and she like, we were, she reveals certain aspects of her character that make her one of the best, uh, final girls of that trope. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until they revealed her character where I was just like, this is going to be fun, you know? <laughs> Up until then, I was just like, oh, white people. Don't, aren't they the worst? You know, yeah. I, uh, I, I, they're, they're, they're just the worst. I, I didn't, I didn't want to go there immediately, but yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was just like, look at all of these privileged, um, don't give a fuck about the rest of the world, terrible to each other, white people, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, like, and then I hated fucking, uh, uh, the, the brother Drake. Oh, I hated that guy. Oh. as the movie goes along, I kind of sympathize with him. The, like, I, 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 I sympathize with him, uh, once he caught an arrow to the back. <laughs> um, <laughs> then he, it, it turns out, you know, he's a, yeah, he's a jerk, but he actually, you know, he cares about his mom and dad. <laughs> And he 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 like he despite the fact that he, you know he he o- is openly hostile to his brother Crispin, mm-hmm. uh, or and his other brother. What's his other brother? Oh, f- uh, Felix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that Felix is the one that ends up stabbing him like with every single <laughs> like object on hand. Uh, <laughs> like he, he actually is just like. Like, dude, I, like you see his face. He's like, dude, I love you, man. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> um, yeah. And then his brother's like, why won't you die? Yeah. You know, he's just like, <laughs> puts like a pencil in him, puts like a sharpener in him, puts like a spoon, <laughs> fork, every, every edged, every edged and blunt weapon he could find. He's like, hold on. I'm going to go upstairs to the kitchen. You stay right there so I can get more things to stab you with, you know? <laughs> Don't move a muscle. <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay. 
Love you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now, but Drake, I, I, I was, I, I kind of agree with you. I had like a moment where I, I was just like, oh, you know, he, he's, he's gonna bite the dust here, but he was still an asshole. Like I think from the, yeah, okay. from the like the initial uh, introduction, especially when he was going after uh, uh, Crispin uh at the dinner table like basically saying like so uh is that your student uh is that is that uh is that how you guys met in class were you teaching her and now you're fucking i was just like wow you're a dick you're such a dick like i would like i'd probably just leap over the table and just kick your fucking ass you know like (laughs) wow yeah i was um I was surprised. I was really surprised at how hard he went at him, and like his parents were just like, "That's just the way Drake is," you know, <laughs> hands on their hips, just being like, "That's our Drake," you know, <laughs> and so, you know, this family goes out and they have a reunion, and uh, you know, they're having turkey dinner, and uh, they're all, you know. Uh, exchanging insults at the ta- at the dinner table across from each other and then um how would you best describe this uh the sisters like douchey documentary filmmaker boyfriend <laughs> goes over to a window and he's like hey guys have you guys ever heard that song i like being alive <laughs> and then <laughs> And uh, he was dispatched uh, very quickly, which I got to say for the actor, um, awesome gig. Like he got some screen time. He got a few lines and then maybe he was on set for a day and he got to go home and cash his check. So, you know, yeah, whatevs. Um, I I like to imagine that he went to cash his check still with the prosthetic arrow going through his head. It's like, I took it from the set. It's going to be my souvenir, you know? Um, Anybody want a selfie? Why are you guys running away from me? <laughs> but uh, that, once he catches an arrow to the head, the whole family freaks out. Like, there wasn't a shred of, like, holy fucking shit, what's going on? Um, everybody just loses it, just absolutely loses it. And I'm not saying that everybody should have been stoic or whatever, but... Um, you would have. Th- it is a reunion. Fo- it is like a, a dinner party faux pas. <laughs> get an arrow to the face. We didn't. We didn't make plans for somebody getting an arrow to the face. <laughs> what kind of wine do you pair with that? You know. <laughs> I'll go with the red. God. I go for a French seventy six. <laughs> it was good here. <laughs> But uh, people are fucking freaking out. And I got to admit, like once once Aaron started to like uh, rise to the top of the situation, uh, you could tell that. First of all, you could tell that Crispian was just like, oh, um, I thought I was, you know, going to be the man of this relationship. But yeah, no, whatever, you know, take charge, you know, Um <laughs> And uh, you could tell, like, there was, like, this sternness that just came up in her. And she was just like, no, 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 stay away from the windows, cover them up. 
Uh, let's see if anybody can call the police. Like she was the only level head in that whole house. Um, but you could tell you could tell from the very beginning, though, and this is going to be my criticism of the movie that um, it was an inside job. I mean, as soon as they introduced Z and Felix, it was just like there's something grimy about these two, like just absolutely grimy. Um, Real, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming because a they didn't even. Like, I, I don't think they had a word of dialogue. Like, they were just like, that's Felix and that's Z. Um, and then that's it. They, they just kind of like, they look like the odd people out there. Just like, uh, we're too cool for school, you know? And then they shrug and... For me, that just, was for me that was part of the tell, especially with Z. Because, like, here, here you have um, Felix bringing a girl home uh, to introduce to the parents. And she's just standing there smoking. And uh, the mom is just like, hey, see, it's nice to meet you. And she's just she just kind of like gives her like the what up head nod uh, while continuing to smoke. And I was just like, oh, she's not only is everybody an asshole here, but this one especially is like a real asshole. And there was just there was just something about the way she stared at at the mother. I was just like. Oh, there's something up with her, you know, and, you know, Felix just not checking her on that, you know, because. But anywho, um, I I could tell there was griminess there and it was it was definitely confirmed uh, in the film when he uh, watched his own father get his throat slit uh, in front of him. I was just like, wow. All right. And instantly i was just like this is about an inheritance <laughs> it has to be yeah yeah, yeah. I, that's that's when like uh, when he was just like kind of like emotionless and just you know watched his father die and then uh like i i that's when i knew i was just like oh this has to, this is money i smell money in this mm-hmm. uh somebody's somebody's uh looking to get uh, to, be, to be the last person in the will and he's really taking the uh, the express way out. Jeez. I mean, like you know, um, let's let's look at the plan, right? <laughs> let's look at the plan. Uh, the plan of these guys is to stage a home invasion and to and to be the last person or persons mm-hmm. on in written in the will to inherit like a vast i'm assuming a vast sum of money mm-hmm. uh the father is involved with some kind of military contracting situation he was like a kind uh, of a former tony stark yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so no 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 maybe maybe more of a what's his name hammer yeah a justin justin hammer yeah <laughs> oh i would have killed to have sam, sam rockwell in this movie <laughs> uh that would have been awesome <laughs> like once that guy gets an arrow to the head he's like he's all right he's all right just <laughs> let's no one freak out okay let's all just sit back down you know? <laughs> i love sam rockwell uh but yeah but uh you know it, it turned into an inheritance scam so but but the plan is to make it look like a home invasion but man like crossbows and like razor wire like this this seemed like like damn they must have really hated their parents 
Mm. Because there's no way that looks like an accident, right? Right. There's no way they can play it off. And then they inherit the money and then they pay. Don't they think they're going to arise suspicions of paying mercenaries like upwards of like four hundred thousand dollars a piece uh i'm sure i'm like, sure they were they were gonna pay them like a million like at least two million easy right 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 i'm sure they were gonna set up like dummy corporations to you know launder this money through because this family just seems you know all kinds of shady um yeah so right, they probably right. but they were also kind of stupid too i gotta say especially Especially Felix and uh, Crispian, because because uh, Aaron in Crispian's uh, sort of I keep saying Crispian because that's the way it's spelled, but it's yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Crispin, it's Crispin, Crispin, yeah, <laughs> um, Crispin Glover. <laughs> but Crispin, uh, as he was explaining to Aaron at the end, it was just like you were supposed to be the the witness the one who's a, who gives like credibility to the story who who saw the invasion but survived and this that and the other but considering all the variables in this plan um first of all there was something that i just can't reconcile in my brain these home invaders uh it's insinuated uh or all but stated that they all serve together so they're all either so they're all former military but they seemed yeah. sloppy as fuck like they fell for for a home alone level trap the <laughs> the dude stepped through the window onto a board with a nail in it <laughs> like um yeah, they they did they did fall for Home Alone level pranks, uh, which makes me think that a better pairing would have been <laughs> Your Next versus Home Alone. Like, like fucking Kevin McAllister would have handed these dudes their asses, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's just a one head, just one headshot from a fucking paint can. Dudes would have been like fucking, and they would have played by real world rules. None of this like, ha ha ha, Chris Columbus, uh, uh, you know, Daffy Duck shenanigans. <laughs> like that pink hen would have hit them, and then it would have like gone into like Mortal Combat mode, where you could see their skull just like get implode and just their eyes shoot out of their heads in two different directions. You know, with a minimal amount of reworking, this film could have totally become uh, Home Alone 3. There there wasn't a Home Alone 3, right? There, were... there was a Home Alone 3. Oh, okay. This would have been a Home Alone 4? Home Alone 4, or, or give it a better, like Home Alone Requiem or some shit like that. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they could have, it, they could have done with this film the way they do, like, the way they did like the last Cloverfield movie, it's like it was originally going to be just, a, you know, a space sci-fi movie. And then J.J. came along. He was just like, you know what? I think this would be better as a uh, a Cloverfield entry. Yeah. And he brought it out and um, and did what he yeah, did. Yeah, it became the Cloverfield paradox. So it so it would have been like 10 Home Alone way, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so Aaron reveals to the group that's alive that uh, she 
she's not just is she, a she's she's not just Australian, <laughs> but B she's uh she's Australian for I was raised on a survival camp, you know, <laughs> on the Barbie. <laughs> oh God, she was one of those. That's not a knife, Australians. This <laughs> is a knife. <laughs> thank you, thank you. That was a much better joke. I was reaching. <laughs> It's been a while since we've had to make like Australian jokes that don't in- yeah, that don't involve it. kangaroos, you know. So, <laughs> giant rats. I swear to God. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so anyway, um, okay. So she knows how to set up all kinds of traps. She she was also really like when when the when the arrows started going coming in through the windows she was like really smart about like picking up chairs and and like to avoid sniper fire yeah picking up the chairs and like using them as like shields to like you know to to protect them from incoming arrows yeah yeah um why the arrows like why the gimmick why i, I don't i don't understand like i, I figure I, I guess they yeah I, i'm sorry i'm sorry but i figure the that since you know these bullshit mercenaries uh, were hired for the job. They wanted to attract as li- as little attention as possible. So guns probably would have been too loud. So you know, arrows and tri- trip wire and shit like that would have been yeah easier. Okay, you know? okay. Yeah. And machetes, right. of course. <laughs> and machetes, right? All right. So, um, but uh, there there was some kind of like uh sick enjoyment i got out of like aaron starting to take these guys to task Mm -hmm. like especially when she stabs that first guy in the hand yeah and then you know from behind it they're all wearing these like crazy masks of like some are sheep others are wolves yeah and like you know you know i was watching this of course with sabrina and she was just like you know immediately she gets strangers vibes from this Mm -hmm. movie Mm mm-hmm and she's just like Pavel, are you fucking kidding me with this fucking movie? Because she hates that she the, that movie that movie had long term effects. Uh, that that movie was like a delayed response movie. The Strangers, <laughs> like it didn't affect her at the time, but every every like every time we went to like a secluded getaway vacation, she's always like, oh fuck, I hate that movie. And I hate you for making me watch it. You know, it's, dog house. It's like you watch, you guys watch the movie in Brooklyn, New York. You're like, ah, you know, what's the big deal? Then you go to Montauk and it's just like, yeah, oh, shit, it's quiet. <laughs> yeah, babe, let's go to a remote cabin in Nova in the Nova Scotian, you know, forests. And she's like, fuck you. And I'm like, po- point taken. Um, and, you know, part it's she's she's uh, she's justified in that because you you, Mr. Pablo Martinez, uh, yeah. then want, went out and bought a mask from the strangers. <laughs> That's right. And I believe you surprised her with that. Okay, so we lived in a basement apartment, and when she opened the door to go down the stairs to to come home, I was waiting in the dark, looking up at her from the bottom of the stairs. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So yeah, that's I'm a bastard. No, that's I'm, that's I'm called like a... trauma, my friend. Like that. <laughs> Like people pay other people substantial amounts of money to work through those sorts of things, you know. 
That, come on, man. Ain't I a stinker? Come on. Come on. It's what that kid from Parasite is going to be working on his entire life <laughs> because, of sh- because of being stared at from the bottom of the stairs. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know. All right. All right. So. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> uh... <laughs> but... You know, uh, that guy starts coming through the window, and then Aaron hits him with the knife. And then from behind the mask, there's... I I love when people scream from underneath masks. I don't know why. In (laughs) movies, when it happens, it sounds so funny. It's like... (laughs) You know? (laughs) And then it it takes the wind out of of the the threat, the menacing threat that is... uh, you know these these home invaders. You know, yeah. Um, and then the '80s music starts. Yes, like the synth music <laughs> drops, and then you're just like, "Oh, I see what kind of movie this is. This is gonna be fun," you know. <laughs> and she starts taking them to school. So I was just like, "All right, yeah, this is, this is gonna be cool, man. This is gonna be cool." I mean, just to jump around a bit, there was a moment that literally made me yell out and go like, "Yeah!" and put up the devil horns. <laughs> Um, and I think you know what I'm gonna be- what I'm about to say. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I thought it, it was in the kitchen. It was later in the film where she's uh, facing down both Z and Felix, and uh, Felix gets a blender to the top of his head. <laughs> and once she stuck it in, I was just like, "Oh God, please turn it on. Please turn it on." And she plugs it into the wall and hits the button. And I was just like, yeah, scrambled brains. <laughs> Yo, I feel like all his memories must have meshed together. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> He's just like... uh you know, one day I was just like, you know, being ignored by my father. I was five years old. The next I'm like murdering my dad, <laughs> you know, watching my dad get murdered. Um, <laughs> but man, that was brutal, brutal fucking kill. Also pretty hilarious. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It was. That's not how that goes. <laughs> but It was comical, but it was so satisfying for such a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yep. Yeah. You're dead. You're really dead. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then she goes after, like, what happens to Z? I forget what happened to Z. Well, Z, what? Like, how did she? Z tried to take Aaron out by stabbing her in the back, and uh, then uh, Aaron, you know, basically knocked her to the ground with a pan or something like that. And after she'd taken out uh, Felix. Aaron pulled the the knife out of her own back and stabbed Z in the top of the head. <laughs> stabbed her in the top oh, yeah, of the head with right. that fucking right in knife. The crown, yeah. I was just like, "You're fucking dead too." I crowned the both of you. Yo, not, oh, dude, if she would have said that, <laughs> snap zoom on her face. I crowned the both. Of you, you know? <laughs> oh, this movie could have done with some like '80s, you know, uh, superhero quips, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Blow off some steam, Bennett, you know? <laughs> Stick around. 
Oh, shit, man. I think maybe the, there were definitely parts of this movie that were homages to old 80s uh, action slash murder uh, movie genres. But um, I found this film to be like an entertaining, violent uh, romp. It had its problems with uh, some character development, but... I don't think the point was to make it like this cerebral survival kind of flick. It was just like some shit goes down and then we throw a variable in it and everything goes sideways. I definitely found myself like really being like um, entertained in that kind of um, 70s uh, or like 80s Wes Craven style slasher movies. You know, your Friday the 13th you know, your sleepaway camps. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, this is, this is fucking cool. You know? <laughs> um, and, and it all culminates with a, with her getting shot in the window. And that's when I thought I was just like, Oh my God, did she get fucking murdered? Like, yeah. Like is, is, is that the end of Aaron? Like that sucks. And then she's still alive. And then the cop goes through the door <laughs> and, we saw previously, pre, you know, we're jumping around a lot, but uh, before the cop went through the, before the cop even showed up, she set up another Home Alone style trap, <laughs> which I was like waiting for. I thought it was it was gonna hit Crispin, yeah, when Crisp when it's revealed that Crispin's in on it, yeah. Um, and I thought she, he was gonna open the door and be like, "Hey, babe, are you?" You know, bam, <laughs> it just hits him right between the eyes. Um, but it hits this cop, the cop who shot her. And who would have been who would have like identified her as a person, the person who killed everyone else. <laughs> right. Because it makes I mean, it looks like she's super guilty. It because <laughs> I thought about that after the film. I was just like, wow, how is uh, how is Aaron going to get? She's like the sole survivor of this bloodbath in this mansion. But I think um, I think once the evidence of. Uh, her association with certain people um, like she she definitely was just the girlfriend of one of them they hadn't met any of the other family before and the association between like Felix and Crispin and these mercenaries uh, there had to have been some sort of communication uh, prior to this either on their cell phones um which, you know, the cops will link up like, okay, well, these people were communicating. So the story would lean more toward um, this plan rather than Aaron just coming in and murking everybody, you know? So I think she'd definitely be in court for a while, but uh, I think eventually she she would have been uh, exonerated. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it does look like she's the guilty one at the very end, but then now that I'm thinking about it in retrospect, th- like, how would that explain the mercenaries? How would it explain, you know, the crossbows and, all like, you know, uh, the fact that, like, there were these guys all dressed in black wearing masks, mm. you know? There's there's some foul play afoot. Plus, the call for help came from her phone, you know, so... Oh, yeah, that's know. right, that's right, that's right. Um, But, yeah, uh... Was it fun? Yes. Uh, I I think that it's it's a really good Halloween movie. Yeah. Now. It's in stark um, it's in stark contrast to the other film. <laughs> yeah, the 
<laughs> the other film in our uh, <laughs> 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 our, our Halloween uh, uh, movie, our October movie watching list uh, is very different. Um, it's totally not that experience. I f- like once the movie started, and then once I knew which direction it was headed in, I was like, "Why did I think that it was a good idea to pair these <laughs> two against each other?" <laughs> the word gratuitous comes. Oh, by the way, I'm Pablo Morale Martinez, and I'm Ernesto Mancibo, and together we are the Robots versus Taxes program on Radio Free Brooklyn. That's right. And if you're just tuning in, we are doing again one our long running segments where we're trying to keep our sanity by reviewing movies and pitting them against each other. And this week, of course, is Your Next versus uh, uh, I Saw the Devil. And with regards to I Saw the Devil, I I was going to say gratuitous. uh, I would call it gratuitous. Um, (laughs) I would call it um, not a fun not fun in the typical sense. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't become fun till about maybe like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Oh. Up until then, it is this horrifying <laughs> descent into I mean, it it it, it, would, it became so utterly graphic that you know, okay, uh, again, uh, Sabrina is join, uh, joining me on all these cinematic journeys. <laughs> and she was just like, nah, you know, nah, no, uh, I'm, uh, that's it. I'm going to do something else. <laughs> um, she doesn't, re- she rarely does that. Um, and that when a movie is just like, when a movie gets her to walk away, that's when I know I'm just like, oh, shit, it's, <laughs> it's just the real deal. <laughs> It, dude, this movie is fucking rough. For one, it's so sad. Like, in the, I didn't expect it to be so sad. I was, I thought it was gonna be like a kind of a action, a, a, almost like a thriller action movie. But it's really not mm. that at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's a, uh, it's a bit of a study on how life can mean absolutely nothing to certain people um, and how distorted the human psyche can become when uh, when exposed to trauma and violence. Um, I mean, we, we kind of open up on uh, this character, uh, Jang Kyung Chul, who is essentially a serial killer. He is a serial killer. And he ends up, uh, he ends up uh, abducting the fiance of uh, our. I'm going to say protagonist with a question mark, who goes by the name of Kim Kim Soo Hyun, and uh, he he murders her in a very brutal and heartbreaking way because it's not it's not a quick death there is a verbal interaction between them after the abduction so the the victim uh, which often doesn't happen to this extent in films like this is humanized to a further extent not only by knowing her and her situation but tying her to other characters in the film in a deep and meaningful way so then you know she is murdered 
and um, we are sort of taken on this journey of grief through Kim Su's eyes um, as he is working through his grief and then decides um, that he's going to do something about it because it turns out that Kim Su Hyun is a special agent <laughs> with a partic- yeah, with he- a particular set of skills. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, I know, right? Oh God, uh, fucking. We were talking about Liam Neeson before, and we're just like, oh, God, can you believe how far that guy fell? But this, in this case, dude, this this dude, uh, played by one of my favorite South Korean actors, uh, Lee Byung-hun, uh, he, that, uh, he is fucking no joke. And he, the great thing about this character is um, that when he when you first see him, like you get the sense that oh, he's some kind of weird bodyguard kind of person. Uh, he's a tough guy because he's talking with her over the phone, mm-hmm. and then um, he starts singing to her. <laughs> She's like, "Come on, do it, do the do that cute thing," and he's like, "Babe, I'm on the job." <laughs> like, "Come on, do it, just do it, just do it," and he's like. And you call to me with your song. <laughs> and it's me you need to show. How deep is oh, your and love? Then the, <laughs> and then, the, you know, the, his his boys come in and he's like, <clears throat> anyway, baby, I'll, I'll see you when I, when I come in. <laughs> steak tonight? I'm thinking steak. <laughs> oh, that was such a human moment. It was just like, oh. <laughs> And and that's when I was just like, you know, because this movie, th- this movie, the way it starts out is so from the logo, like it starts like, I don't know what it is about these movies, but like South Korean movie companies, they have the cutest logos. <laughs> like it's like, you know, it's this little bouncing ball with a happy face on it. And then it jumps into a box and it's like show box. <laughs> it's like Hee-hee, show box. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And it starts, the movie starts, and, you know, it's him, like, this this whole really meet-cute kind of, like, uh, you know, not meet-cute, but it's, like, this whole cute interaction between a uh, husband and wife uh, before the tension starts. And uh, it really, it, like, it took me aback how brutal the violence became. Because um, once, I'm sorry, once... Uh, Lee Byung Hum's uh, wife gets meets this guy meets the the the, the titular devil mm. played uh, by old boys Choi Min Sik. Um, man, in a performance that I can only describe as too real. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like so real that I was just like, oh, I just I feel uncomfortable every time i saw him on camera <laughs> yeah yeah you you, you um, felt like he was taking you on on a, on his very nuanced journey of just psychopathic thoughts i mean especially when he the, oh my god it was uh it was after he had killed um lee byung hun's uh fiance uh he had gotten another girl and he put her in this sort of like guillotine kind of contraption and he the way he dispatched her to put it nicely was so matter of fact like he 
was just sort of hoisting the, the, the blade up and then, you know, let it go. And you could tell that it came down and chopped her head off. And he was just like, yeah, all right, this is uh, this is my body count for the night, you know. And it, yeah. then he's just like, now that was great. And he's like, now I got to yeah. clean this shit up, you know. So, oh, God, that yeah, there's there's something uh, there's something so so like it, it it it's brutality that it, it's not fun brutality. It's just it's not. There's nothing. There's no jump scares like in your next where it's like jump scare. (laughs) (laughs) We're watching a movie. You know, (laughs) this movie is very like, you know, there's hardly any music. Um, When people get killed, it really affects everyone around the murder victim. Mm. And the killer is like something that is he's less a human being and more of an animal. Like you, you, there's no humanity to him. Like there's no, there's nothing that's like a Freddy Krueger. Uh, Ooh, the cool effects, Mm. this and that. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't like this guy. I don't, I want to see him die. Mm. Um, Mm. In fact, I, I wasn't, I, I kind of jumped in this, into this movie kind of semi blind because Mm. um, I, I I knew about the cat and mouse thing. I just didn't know that it was going to be like he hurts him and then he sets him free. Yeah. With money. And then I was just like, wait, what? What? Why? Why would he do that? Because he Um, snapped. That's why he was just. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, he snapped. But. But at the same time, it's just like you're just going to let this guy roam free and. A everywhere he goes, it's just a, a pile of dead bodies. Once he, f- once the killer, uh, once Choyman Sick finds out that um, that he's been found out by the cops and that he he lost his job, he's just like time to go on a murder spree, you know. And then he just starts like uh, he kept he he gets that poor nurse in that doctor station mm. and like he assaults her, and I'm just like. And like Lee Byung Hun is just like listening close by, and I'm just like, you're just gonna let this happen to this poor lady, like you, you're, you're, and then he eventually comes in, and but the damage is done, right? Yeah, it it is it is done. Yeah, but in his mind, he he believes that he's uh, that he's still being the hero in some respect, while at the same time um, trying to punish. Uh, uh, and sick uh, as much as possible because he knows that the payoff for for the villain is being able to uh, take something from his victims and then do them in. And he comes in, at least this was his initial plan, just before that happened. So in his mind, that was like the ultimate torture that he could give this guy. And not only taking away um his ability to to hunt but also hobbling him a little every time the first time he basically shattered his wrist and then the second time he cut his achilles all the way through in one leg and that's not even the most the the achilles heel uh gag was something that i was hor- both it, Ah oh, man, this movie has so many moments where I'm just turning away from the from the screen and I'm just like 
I'm a pussy. (laughs) 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 But seriously, there were so many moments where I like I I I feel like I don't do this very often. Um, Is I put my hand over my face and I just like watch through my fingers or I just kind of like wince and turn away. (laughs) There were so many moments where that happened, especially like when Lee Byung Hun is going through. He is going through because he doesn't arrive at Troyman sick right away. No, <laughs> he goes through two other dudes who are, you know, they've <laughs> gone to jail before for sexual assault related uh, crimes. Yep. And he brutalizes them. one, especially where I was just like, oh, my f- my tenders. <laughs> he just. He smashes this dude's testicles with a hammer, like, completely. <laughs> and He's a real ball breaker. <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> I'm sorry. But, that, but, that, but that's, no, no, but that's, that's another thing. This movie has, has this sick sense of humor <laughs> where it's just like, um, they have the cop interview that guy. They're just like, he's just like, you know, he wakes up out of his like I'm assuming nightmare fueled coma, <laughs> and he he's just like, oh god, oh oh man, what what's happening? Where am I? And then the cops just like, all right, buddy, who broke your balls? And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> movie, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> but you know, you you know you know cops who are on that sort of beat. Uh, in order to like, it's probably a coping mechanism. Uh, yeah. Start to make like little jokes like that, uh, just on the edge of being appropriate, or sometimes crossing a line just to keep from crying all the time. But, but like the brutality that's on display in this movie is kind of like, in it, it's it's intense. It's not like uh fun gore effects like yeah there is there's some there's gore effects in this of course there's some actually some really cool stunts uh this shot is this movie is shot impeccably well mm-hmm. um yes but it does it just doesn't shy away from like uh like it's the kind of movie pain that you're just like oh my god if that really happened that's so pa- it looks so painful it just hurts to watch yeah uh and I'm thinking about the the cannibal dude that they meet uh, along the way. That they're he's just like, Woo. yo, the guy, the Choyman sick. He's not a guy you, that you need to fuck with. He's gonna fucking go after you real hard. And then he's just like, and then Lee Byung Hun is like, okay, um, let's put a smile on that face oh. of yours, and then just <laughs> and, and just starts ripping his head from inside. Of his mouth, just ripping it open like he's like prying open a, a fucking oyster shell. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And the sound and everything about it just made me like I can't even like just thinking about it makes me sick. Can you imagine the poor nurse that came in after that? She's just like, "All right, sir, it's time for your injection." Oh my god, you know. <laughs> and that's the thing about the the quote-unquote protagonist of this movie he's not he's not a hero he's not like a a movie hero that you sympathize because he fails at even uh, saving his 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 um 
you know, his dead wife's family. Yeah. Well, like, he he fails. He fails because and this is the part that I really appreciated. It, it really delved into the complexity of uh, revenge movies and the problem with that aspect of like of what initially seems like uh, righteous uh, vigilante revenge um, in most movies it's just like you know somebody has had enough and they're not going to take it anymore and they fight back against the bad guys but this movie shows the complexity that like you know just because you have something wrong done to you and you choose to get revenge doesn't mean that you don't have anything else to lose like this is why uh, the system of law and authority is in place in order to keep things from escalating because you can still you more can be lost you know whereas if this guy if this agent had just taken his two weeks off and then gone back to work and used his powers of investigation and basically hunting down criminals they could have caught this guy and put him away and um, his former fiance, his his dead fiance's family uh, would have been fine. But in order to satiate his grief, which somehow became distorted and morphed into bloodlust, um, it cost him a lot more than he initially thought it was going to. And I thought that it was it was a real uh smart way of depicting that it was tragic but you know it it took it it took it to a place where even even though it seemed like he almost like he pretty much got even at the end in a way he really didn't he just because it's not going to bring his wife back yeah it's not going to bring any of his like the father-in-law by the way, that the father-in-law is just like, oh, damn, really? They're going to go after this guy? He was the one that was just like, you know, in the beginning, he holds his hand and he's just like, I know this is painful. Like, mm. you're, we'll get through this together. And then Lee Byung-hun is like, nah, I'm going to go smash some balls, you know? Yeah, um, but, you know, but even but his his um, the his former fiance's father um is also complicit because he's the one who provided him with the files oh, yeah. of these former perps and so and they, i mean you know to his credit there was a point where he was just like look i you've done enough um just just stop you know you're we know you're a badass uh, <laughs> but he was just like this is enough yeah. it's not going to fix anything and he uh lee is already on this fucking path he's just like but sir you know he's i still gotta get him you know he has another yeah. he has another achilles that i could cut you know so <laughs> <laughs> um so oh, it just it just all snowballs and at the end when when lee involves uh Choi's, uh estranged family and his you know his son who clearly has long-standing anger issues from his father not being in his life and them essentially witnessing and being somewhat uh not directly responsible but being used to be responsible for Choi's death by decapitation um at the end it's just like trauma upon trauma upon trauma and i feel like that's that's what Lee's reaction at the end, which I got to say an impeccable piece of acting when he's walking down the road. And first he has that stoic badassness that we see through most of the film. And then he just sort of crumples into this 
un uh, unreconcilable grief and almost madness because he's crying so hard he almost looks like he's laughing um he it's like he realizes like i have this pain not just because of what i lost but i'm i'm the monster now i'm the monster now and there's no yeah. and there's no way back for me yeah i i i also saw it as like kind of like you know, if this was Dwayne the Rock Johnson, he would have been. It would have ended with him walking away like a badass. Right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it's like rise and grind, motherfucker. You know, <laughs> and then, but with with this with with uh, Lee's character, uh, yeah, I love that it stays with him, and he kind of just fall. He just looks like a uh, uh, a puppet that just like all the strings got cut, and then he just crumples to the floor. Yeah. And then he just falls apart, and it's just like you get this realization that it's like no, he, like you. At, at first, he's like walking away like a badass, and he's just like okay. Um, you get the sense that as the audience, you're you're looking at him like oh, he got his revenge. Now he he can go on to live his life, and then it's like no, no, that's that's not how this works. <laughs> um, he's gonna live with this grief forever. Like it didn't satiate shit. All he did was he traumatized three people. Yeah. Um, including a child. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and it's oh man, it's fucking brutal, dude. It's, this movie is br- like not for the lighthearted. Very very brutal, but it yeah. I, I gotta say, like it it takes you the journey it takes you on emotionally is so nuanced and complex because whenever i don't know about you but when i see a revenge movie you know you put yourself in the shoes of the person who's getting the revenge like there's something that it makes you go yeah get him and and it was the same with the with our protagonist in this film but when you see like some of the complexities that come with that situation um then it makes you stop and question things it's just like whoa you know there 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 is a line to be crossed it's not it's not glory not not the way it's depicted in many other films yeah it's not like kill bill where you know she's like yeah i could go raising my daughter you know not having to live with the fact that i killed like uh of us the population of a small like hawaiian (laughs) island Uh. so It's like real grief. It's like real, and I feel like South Korean revenge movies. I mean, this is, of course, this is the fourth South Korean revenge movie that I've seen, and they don't. They're they really the uh, so far. Uh, Chanwook Park and Ki, I'm mean, uh, Kim Ji Soon. Um, they they view revenge as something that no one walks away clean from mm. and it's um and it's rough this this is this was a rough movie yes um so um yeah i do i recommend this movie absolutely but this is not your feel good halloween like <laughs> um like friday the 13th ha <laughs> ha creative kills you know <laughs> this is like serious like Geez, I gotta, I gotta rethink my life, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, kind of movie. 
what am I? What I I feel complicit in the murderers watching this watching this kind of yes you know, this movie. Yes, absolutely, uh, perfectly said. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I th- I feel like I've talked enough about this. <laughs> shall we cap it? Shall we cap it there? Let's cap it there. All right, cool. All right. Um, so those are uh, those are our picks for this week. I'm Pablo Morali Martinez, and I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program on Radio Free Brooklyn. That's right. And while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the Week. Flashlights were ready. That's what she said to me. Flashlights been ready, that's what she said to me Some assembly required, that's what I said to her Some assembly required, that's what I said to her Oh, we're gonna glow in the dark We're gonna glow in the dark tonight Flashlights were ready, that's what she said to me Flashlights were ready, that's what she said to me Some assembly required, that's what I said to her Some assembly required, that's what I said to her Oh, we're gonna glow in the dark We're gonna glow in the dark tonight We're gonna glow in the dark We're gonna glow in the dark tonight